we'll worship the Lord this morning together. Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Amen? Actually, it was verse 14, 15, and 16. I went a little too much. but All right. Well, let's worship the Lord this morning. And blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Y'all sing. And blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. The darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name, oh, blessed be your name. When the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. Come on, y'all, blessed be. And blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Welcome to church this morning. It's good to be here with all of you. God and King, His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, His love endures forever. Amen. For the life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. Yes, it does. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Forever, the setting sun His love endures forever and by the grace of God we will carry on His love endures forever, yes it does sing praise this one church we sing sing praise sing praise sing praise forever God is faithful forever God is strong forever God is with us victor over COVID, over depression, over cancer, Lord. You are the victor over all of it, Jesus. And we come here this morning to put you first, to put you ahead of the line, to put you in the front of everything. We put our priorities towards you. All of our priorities and responsibilities are for you, Jesus, this morning. We focus on you. We we, we welcome you into this place, Lord. We welcome your spirit into this place. Yes, Jesus. 
Lord, help us just to trust you more each day. Help me to trust you more each day, Lord. Because it's days like today that I can trust you really well, but it's the Monday through the Saturdays that I have problems with, Jesus. And I ask you to help me with that. Help me with that through this week, Jesus. We continue just to bring our prayers and thoughts to him this morning. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Come on, y'all. Let's lift them up. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of seems to hide his face I rest on his unchanging grace we rest on you Lord in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil
are still going to lead us in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you right that minute. Mm. Holy Spirit, come. Yes. Fill that place. Yes. Heavenly yes. Father, mm. be with each and every person. Yes. <coughs> Father, yes. if there is sickness, take it away. Yes. Because, Lord, yes. you are the healer. Yes. Heavenly Father, I thank you. We and Father, be with our pastor as he brings the message. And let it be fall on fertile ground. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I praise you. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change Waiting for change to come. Knowing the battle. Knowing the battle's won. For you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. Another night. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. Oh, thank you, Lord. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me. 
Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. And I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. Never failed me yet. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. I've seen you move. You move the
Because there's so many chances, Lord, that we have to love better. And it's in those times that people actually see your face, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. 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 Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Isn't it even better to know the Lord is in the house? Amen. 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 It's good to know God is with us. I'm, I know I'm off camera, but I need props today. I hope I don't mess with any, like, you know, sacred <laughs> sacred cows, things I'm not supposed to do, but we're moving stuff this morning. So, I need a volunteer, somebody young and manly. Uh, this, this gentleman right here, what's your name, sir? Jordan. Jordan, come on up here, buddy. Now, I, I'm... I'm I'm doing something here that, uh, I don't know, maybe you've, you've been told not to do in church, but the instructions are different today. I, 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 I've got these three chairs here, and um, Jordan, do you believe that you could walk across these chairs? Yeah, you think that'd be all right? Wouldn't be a problem? Oh, it's not all right, but you could do it. It'd be, uh, well, for today, it'll be all right. So just do me a favor, just walk across these chairs, just walk from that side to this side, just, just step right over. Those chairs held you, right? That wasn't a problem. You sit in these chairs, you know they're going to hold your weight. No issues, no worries. Um, that, that's no big deal. We trust the chairs, right? We trust the chairs. But what if, what if, now see here's where I might get in trouble. Can you walk across that for me? Why not? You're a little big. He says, he says, I wouldn't trust it. I'm a little big. I'm, I'm a little bigger. I wouldn't trust it either. You see, you, you can go sit. Thank you. Jordan, I appreciate your help. You see, we, we have all these. Yeah, give him a round of applause. Wasn't he adorable, my lovely assistant? We have, we have all these ideas about what faith is and about how faith should work. And we think... Because we read stuff like uh, Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And somehow the devil has gotten us convinced that that means we need to find mustard seed-sized faith or, or even mountain-sized faith. And we've got to work this thing up in us to this big elaborate moment, this feeling where I've got to, okay, I've got enough faith now. Now we can go do it. But if we look at faith that way, we've missed the whole point. We missed the whole point of faith. And we missed the whole point of Jesus saying you only need a mustard seed. Because it's not about how much faith you have. It's about in what you put your trust. We, we don't just have a what to put our trust in. We have a who to put our trust in. We have a person who has said to us, believe in me. At his, at his final his final conversation with his disciples, Jesus sits down at the table at the Last Supper. He knows he's about to be betrayed. He's about to be crucified. He's about to be hung on the cross. He's about to die. He's about to go in the grave for three days. And he knows these guys are not going to handle this well. He tells them, every one of you is going to desert me tonight. But he sits down at the table and he says, John 14, 1, Don't let your hearts be troubled. 
You have trusted God. Trust me too. Just, just trust me too. Even on this day when you're going to watch your whole, your whole perspective of everything you've been doing for the last three years, your whole understanding of what God is doing in the kingdom, it's all going to be crushed tonight. But you, you've trusted God, now trust me. You've trusted God, now trust me. Our faith is not, it's not about how much we carry. It's about what we put it in. Do we, we can put our trust in the chair when we sit down, right? It, it's going to hold us. I remember when we were, we were in college, um, God called us to move. And we moved from Nashville where we were in school. And we went to northeast Wisconsin. And, yeah, right? Everybody says yuck to that. Um, yeah, we can, all, we can all agree. We moved there in the, like the 23rd of May. The ground was still too frozen to plant flowers. It snowed like a week later. Um, <clears throat> Wisconsin is a cold place, but God was so good to us there. But we, we, we got there and we found out there was this like vibrant young adult group at our church and we hadn't really had that. And so we were like, this is amazing. And so they were having a, a, a bonfire and cooking food and just hanging out, playing volleyball. And we're like, hey, we're going to go to this, to this party. And we get there, I haven't met none of these people, none of them. Like, Literally never even said, hello, my name is, okay? And, but my parents went to this church, and they're like, oh, you got to go. Dan and Kim are amazing. You'll love them. Their house is so much fun, and all these people are wonderful. So we go to this party. I come in. I'm, hey, how are you? I sit down in a plastic chair by the fire, and both back legs break off. Now, I did not have this shape when I was 20 years old. I know you guys might find that hard to believe, but that was like a couple million cheeseburgers ago, and... I was like lean and mean, girl-killing machine back then, you know. I had hair. It was amazing. But here I am with this complete group of strangers. I sit down in this chair, both back legs snap off. I roll out, head over, you know, feet over my head, just somersault out of the back of the chair. It was a bit humiliating. Just a bit, because I'm pretty hard to humiliate, just to be honest. Everybody dies laughing, you know. Of course. I would have too if it happened to you. <clears throat> but I put my trust in the chair because that's what we do. I mean, do you, it's, it's a pretty rare thing to walk up to a chair and think, hmm, should I sit on that? I have seen a few that I thought, no, I'm not going to sit on that one. <clears throat> but, but most of the time we just sit down. It never crosses our mind, is this chair going to hold me? That's what it's made to do. It's specifically designed for that purpose. It's created with, with no other goal other than to hold a person. And we put trust in that. We, we'll drive to Baton Rouge over 40 miles of bridge, over alligator-infested waters. And never even, never even bat an eye. Well, what if this bridge just collapsed with me on it? It doesn't cross our mind, right? Because we've put faith in the bridge. Even more so, we've put faith in, and maybe you guys don't even know this is what happens, but the Army Corps of Engineers, who are tasked with the duty of making sure that our highways and bridges are safe to drive on. 
We've put faith that people are looking out for us and that this is going to be okay when I drive across it, that it's been engineered and designed and maintained for specifically this purpose. But sometimes when it comes to faith in Jesus, we're a little more hesitant. We're a little more hesitant. And I think, I think what, I, what I want us to see this morning is I think what that really comes down to is that we're not trusting the manufacturer. We don't, we don't believe that this thing was made for a purpose and it was designed and engineered specifically to do what it was made to do and that it can accomplish the thing for which it was made because we have a good creator. And it has been meticulously maintained by the most discriminatory entity in the universe who is the Holy Spirit, who leads and guides and directs and corrects and rebukes and fixes and and constantly is shining light on those areas that need repair. And it's been bought and paid for in full. There's no toll bridges. It's not... It's not constantly under construction because it was finished once. But sometimes, y'all, when it comes time to just put our faith in, in, in what God is asking us to be and to do, we look at it like that spindly little piece of wood and we say, oh, I might be a bit big for that. That might not be sufficient for me. Or, or more likely, I might not be sufficient for that. Right? If I had pulled two chairs up here, and I put one over here, I'm out of the tape now, and one over here, and I said, okay, Jordan, cross this gap. He might have said, I can't do that. I can't do that. Quick, somebody in here, count the ceiling tiles across the roof for me. See how wide this room is. How many are up there? I don't know. I hadn't counted yet. You guys know the world record long jump is 29 and a half feet? There are 19 panels up here, so those are two foot. So this room's about 40 feet. So, so like from, from that wall out there to, to about here. But see, sometimes we just look at these situations and we say, that's too much for me. I, I want to propose to you this morning, in, in the same vein that we talked about last week, this, this idea that we are, are called and created for a purpose. I want to show you some things. I, I, meant, I decided this week, that, or I thought this week I was going to preach to you from Ephesians 4, but I realized there's so much groundwork that has to be laid before we can get there. That if I tried to preach what I wanted to preach, we either would have missed stuff or we'd have been here till like 4 o'clock this afternoon. Nobody wants either one of those things. Okay, so we're going to break it down and we're going to split it up a little bit. The most basic thing we have to believe to be a Christian is what? What's the foundational thing that if you don't believe this, you are not a Christian? Anybody, any guesses? Christ died for us? Well, you've got to go back even farther than that. Because who's Jesus? He's the son. What does that mean? The son of who? So we have two gods? 
The very foundational platform, the footing of all our faith is this. God is three and God is one. If you don't start with the Trinity, you're not Christian. You might be something, but you aren't Christian. Christianity begins at this point. We believe in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that these three are one. If you don't start there, you can't build anything else that we call Christianity. You can't. Not one other doctrinal idea, not one piece of scripture, nothing else we believe as Christians can happen without that. And I I, want to propose to you this morning that those three persons have each deposited something in this being of tremendous value. And, And more importantly, that those three persons, as they act on our behalf, in us, through us, all around us, have each given us something that we need to be a part of the very life of that trinity. They have called us to, Peter says it this way, in First Peter he says, to participate in the divine nature. That is quite a sentence, church. Peter says that we are called to participate, to actively be a part of the very nature of the Godhead. That is incredible. In Ephesians 4, where we'll get in a couple weeks, Paul says, I want you to see all these things so that you can attain, so that you can lay hold of, grab onto the full measure of Jesus Christ. So that you can have everything that Jesus is. The Godhead, three in one, is important. And each of those persons presents themselves to us through grace with, with a specific purpose. I, I, we're going to read this morning from Romans chapter 12. And uh, I think our, our, our words will be on the screen there for you, as you want, if you want to read along. And Paul is, is talking to the church there in Rome and he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. I can just preach that, right? (laughs) I'm not going to, because I'm going to assume all of you are good people. Um, So just just hear that and know that's from the Lord, okay? But but Paul's going to continue, because this is important. Why should we not think of ourselves more highly than we ought, okay? Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment. Now this... this, uh, this word here it, it, that we translate sober judgment, it, it literally means to think of yourself realistically. <laughs> Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but be honest with yourself about who you are. Because there's nobody that knows our dirty little secrets like we do, except the Lord. You're the only one who knows what phrase came through your head when that guy cut you off on the highway. Right? You're the only one who knows just how close you were to punching that guy in the esophagus at work the other day. Right? So be honest with yourselves. Don't think you're something you're not. 
Think of yourselves honestly. And, and see, that's key. That's important. Because if you don't think of yourself honestly, then you're never going to know your need for Jesus. If I think I got it all together, then I don't need Jesus to put me together. But let me tell you, church, I'm a train wreck. If you're counting on me, you are lost. It's Jesus, 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 or nothing. That's all I got It's Jesus. And sometimes you're going to get me, and it's not going to be good. I can't think of myself more highly than I ought, but rather with sober, sober judgment, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Faith has been distributed. Isn't that interesting? Faith has been distributed. And, and he's going to continue here in a minute. He's going to talk about some other things that God has distributed. And he tells us that these things have been distributed through grace. Now, we talk about Jesus and, and his death on the cross a lot as our salvation. And that's true. And we talk about salvation by grace through faith. And that is beautiful. And it's, it's a, a, just such an incredible sentence that our salvation comes by grace through faith. But we don't talk a lot about where the grace comes from. The grace doesn't come from Jesus. The sacrifice came from Jesus. The grace comes from the Father. Because Jesus continuously sits at his right side interceding for us, begging and pleading for grace to be bestowed on us, these horrible humans that we are. And he says, no, I, I died for them. I, I was broken for them. I was crushed for them. All of those wages of sin that they are owed, I took those, Dad. Can you, can you give them the grace and the compassion and the, the hope and the peace and the love and the adoption that you, you want to give them? I, give them grace, Dad. And the grace comes from the Father. Grace is given by the King, by the Judge. Grace comes down to us through Jesus from the Father. In the same way, faith is distributed to us by the Father. We, we, we'll see a little later that it says the Spirit is actually the one who does the distribution. So it would be like if I came in with a pocket full of peppermints and I asked Sammy, go distribute these. Now, the peppermints didn't come from Sammy. She just distributed them, right? They came from me. So in... God the Father is distributing faith through the Spirit. He's distributing grace through the Spirit. And all of this is facilitated through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You see how this is all interlocking? You see how the Trinity, every person, has a purpose? And each of them has a direct effect on me. And my relationship in participating with this divine nature. So he says, he says this faith is being distributed. Think of yourself in sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body and many members, these members don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. And these gifts, okay, now listen to this. These gifts come in accordance to the grace that is given to us. Now this, when we see this word according to here, or in accordance with it, it, it literally means in proportion to. And I think sometimes that, I feel like that's a little more descriptive word than in accordance with, in proportion to. So 
we have this faith that was distributed to us, and we have these gifts that were given to us, and all of this is the result of grace. And our, 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 gifts, our gifts and our graces are proportional. We have gifts in proportion to the grace. Because if God wasn't gracious, we wouldn't have any gifts. Right? So as much as he gives grace, he gives gifts. It's like when Jesus says, if, if one of you asked your dad for, for a piece of bread, would he give you a stone? If one of you said, hey, I'm hungry, can I have a fish? Would, he, would your dad give you a snake? He's like, how much better is our gracious God who gives good gifts? You see, because the gifts that he gives us come in direct proportion to the grace he's already lavishing on us, Paul says. So I want to talk a little bit about these gifts. These gifts are the direct result of the faith and the grace that is being distributed to us. This word gift, how many people in here are Nazarenes? Like, long time, like you've been a Nazarene before you came here. Awesome. I love that. There are like three of you. Sometimes that, that's a good thing, to not have this really old, long tradition. Because you know, learning, learning is easier than unlearning. Learning something new is easier than unlearning something old and relearning something new. And, and sometimes when we get into a faith tradition, I'm a fourth-generation Nazarene. I was raised a very particular way. Now, I've gone and I've been other places. I've, I've attended churches that weren't Nazarene. I've, I always tell people I'm Nazarene on purpose. I'm here on purpose. Because I believe what we have in that little book is as close to right as you can get this side of heaven. Not that we're exclusively right. But I think we do a pretty good job. But this word gifts has caused a lot of trouble in our little tribe. This word in Greek is charismata. From this, we get a movement known as the charismatic movement that, that takes its name from this, from this word. And that movement separated itself in the early 1900s from the Church of the Nazarene. We started together, but, but it, it shifted and our practices grew apart. Not our theology, mind you. We believe the same things about God and about the Holy Spirit and about what He wants from us. But the way we did church changed. And you had this branch of, of the church that became called the Charismatic or the Pentecostal movement and you, and you had this branch over here that became what was called the Holiness movement. And, and, and really, when it came down to it, their ideas about what God was going to do were pretty much the same. They just didn't act the same at church. And over time, legalism took root, really, in both groups. And this group thought, this must be the law of God, and we thought this must be the law of God, and it created division where there didn't need to be any. And really, neither were the law of God. It was the ideas of man. And it created this dividing line where there didn't need to be any. And this word, charismatic, became a dirty word in the church of the Nazarene. The problem is that the word charis in Greek is the word we translate as grace. This is a very important theological word. 
It is maybe the most important concept outside the Trinity in all of our faith. No one else, no other world religion has grace to offer. And this little word, charis in Greek, or charis in Greek, is very important. And what it literally means is a gift freely given. Now when you add the word mata to the end of it, that little suffix, think about when we say things are automatic. We still use this Greek. Right? Things are automatic. Auto is Greek for self. And matic means to put into motion by. It's self-motivated. It's self-put into action. So when we say something is charismatic, what we're saying is it's, it's put into motion. It's set into motion by a free gift. This is the word we translate here in this passage as gifts. We all have different gifts. He says we're all one body, but in each of us, God has set into motion through the free gift given different forms of grace that should put us into motion, that should activate us into something. It's not just a gift. It's not just charis. It's charismata. It's activated gift. It's a gift put into motion. I just gave Mick a bike for his birthday a couple weeks ago. It's awesome. I have had girls forever. I finally got a man at the house. We had two girl dogs. We had female turtles. We had a female lizard. I had three daughters and a wife. And man, I got Mick and it was like, yes, some testosterone in the house. And I bought him this bike, and it's blue and yellow, and it's got Hot Wheels cars on it, and it makes car sounds, and it's awesome. If he never rode it, it would be completely useless. It would look amazing. It would serve no purpose. Church, we have been given gifts by grace, but they're not just... They're not just gifts to sit and look at. They're charismata. We're supposed to be put into motion by the gift that was given to us. We're supposed to be activated by the gift that was given to us. The problem is faith. Go back to the beginning of this passage where we started. This is in proportion to the faith that was distributed. Now the problem comes a little later. We read it here. He says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. Now look what he says in proportion to your faith. The ability we have to put into motion this thing which God has gifted us with is in direct proportion to our faith. And our faith so often we put in the wrong place. We have twisted this idea of faith and think that faith is about me. I have to just believe that I can do this thing Jesus asked me to do. That is not what faith is about, church. Asking, 
Asking faith to be that is like asking Jordan to walk across that little easel over there. It's just silly. We all laugh at it, right? It's like, yeah, he can't do that. I can't do what God wants me to do either. But he distributed this gift to me and he gave it to me graciously and he did it to set me into action. But I I can only do that in accordance with my faith. And if I put my faith in the wrong thing, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. Let me say that again. He put a gift in me and he set it in there to be activated. But that activation and that gift can only be used in proportion to my faith. And if I put my faith in the wrong thing... I can do nothing with that gift. Nothing. 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 I want to I read us through this list here. He says, if your gift is to prophesy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Go on to the next one. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. <laughs> this is not hard instruction, right? If your gift is encouragement, well, then give encouragement. If it's to lead, well, do it diligently. If it's showing mercy, do it cheerfully. Go ahead. Every, excuse me. I'll read the next verse. I'm going to read verse 8 to you too. Guys, we we talk a lot about some lists in the book. We talk about the fruits of the Spirit a lot, right? How many people know that song? You guys know the fruit song? The fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon. Like anything. You can throw anything in there, right? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We like that list. We make songs about it. We talk about, not so much, honestly, this is, this is where the divide happened. We talk some about spiritual gifts in the Church of the Nazarene. But we worry that we're going to get too far over there into that charismatic conversation. So we're real careful with that conversation. God help us. These are things that the Spirit wants to do for us through us, in us, all around us. We're going to talk about that next week. This week we're talking about what the Father does. The Father distributes grace and faith and gifts and He expects us to use them. Next week we're going to talk about what the Spirit does. It's pretty incredible. And we'll talk about that list. But this one, we, we, we kind of ignore this one. I've been preaching for a long time. I've never preached this list before. This list is kind of Amazing. Prophesying. That one scares us, right? We think prophecy is weird. We think prophecy, we, I don't know, sometimes we even think like crystal balls and, you know, Miss Cleo. I don't know. Anybody remember Miss Cleo? You guys remember Miss Cleo, right? I guess that means I'm old. I don't know. Did I just insult you and tell you you were old for remembering Miss Cleo? I don't know. <clears throat> Prophecy is not weird. It's not. This word prophecy, it literally, the word, the literal Greek word, it's, it's uh, William Tyndale who was the, the first person to ever 
uh, translate the book into English, he, he said he translates that word as spokesman. Prophet is translated as spokesman. Now, that's not weird, right? A spokesman is not weird. We can go out and be a spokesman for lots of things. How many people here have ever suggested a restaurant to one of your friends? Right? Everybody, right? You were a spokesman for that restaurant. Right? How many people, how many of you gentlemen have ever said, hey, the MLSU Tigers are going to win it all this year? Now, the Raging Cajuns, they might win four or five games this year. <clears throat> if they don't have to play anybody from the SEC. Right? <laughs> but we've been a spokesman for lots of things, right? Being a spokesman is not weird. And when we think of it in those terms, it, it removes all this weird, like, I don't know what that's about. But the word prophet, propheteia in Greek, literally just means to hear something and then to say it. That's not complicated. That's not weird. It's not some, like, otherworldly, strange thing. Can you hear from the Lord? Do you believe the Lord has something to say to you? I believe he does. I think we've got a, a big, giant book that most of us probably have on our shelf somewhere or in our pocket or probably even on our phone, full of things God wants to say to you. Can you hear from the Lord and say that? Can you share what God is saying to you? That is prophecy. If your gift is that, then do it. Then do it. But remember that you're only going to do that in proportion to your faith. And where is your faith, church? Not how much. The question is never how much faith do you have. Jesus makes that abundantly clear in three of our Gospels. The amount of your faith is irrelevant. It's where do you place it that's important. If your gift is to prophesy, then just go out and prophesy. But you're only going to be capable of doing as much for the Lord as you believe He can do through you. Your faith can't be in what you can do or you will never prophesy. If all you ever think is, I can't, I can't hear from the Lord clearly enough to tell anybody what God had to say. How do I know that's not just coming out of my own head? How do I know that thing wasn't just my thought or my idea? But if we have enough faith that God can do what he said he's going to do and he said he has things to say to us he said that he is going to speak to us if we have enough faith in what he's trying to do then maybe we'll be able to fulfill our, our purpose our goal our our destiny, for lack of a better word. You see, just like we talked about with John last week, we have something he has made us to do, and he's gifted us through grace to be able to do it. But we have to have faith. I want to read this quote to you from William Greathouse this morning, one of the most amazing theologians in the history of the Church of the Nazarene. 
He says, every believer has received from God a charisma, a gift of faith, which God has assigned him. He says, faith here means an achieving faith. Listen to this sentence. The power of God to accomplish things. An achieving faith. The power from God to accomplish things. That's awesome. Each of us has received from God this this possibility that he's put something in us that actually might see results. Where we might actually be able to go out and do something that changes the world for the kingdom. And the beautiful thing is, we didn't have to come up with that. He put it in us. He activated it through grace. And our faith is not in our ability to live with that or live that out. Our faith is in our ability to trust that He is doing it. It's an achieving faith. It's a faith that believes we actually have power from God to get something done. Church, this morning, do you see what the Father is offering His church? Do you see what the Father has done through grace and by faith? If your gift is prophecy, prophesy. If your gift is to serve, then serve. One of my, one of my all-time favorite people that I've gone to church with was a young man. He was a teenager in our first youth group. His name was Joe Weimer. Joe Weimer never stood on a platform and said one word. Ever. He didn't teach. He wasn't some gung-ho, out-in-front leader. But Joe was a a 16-year-old boy who would get out of school. He would go to his house and he'd pack up his truck with tools and materials and he would come to the church and he would fix everything that was broken. If a door squeaked, he'd oil it. If the baseboards were scuffed, he'd paint them. If a handrail was loose, he'd tighten them. Every day, Joe was at the church fixing something, building something, beautifying something, making something better. Most people never even knew he was there. You happen to be a pastor in the office who saw Joe's red pickup truck in the parking lot every day. You wouldn't even know he did it. I'll tell you what you did know when you came in our church. It was always beautiful. And nothing was ever broken. The doors never squeaked. Joe just, he just served. He just served all the time. All the time. I remember I came in one day and we we were on the Gulf Coast and we were having a tropical storm and sometimes our church would flood. And I realized it's raining really hard. The water might be coming up. So I decided I'm going to go to the church and, and see if I can get the water from our retaining pond to the ditch because that was a problem sometimes. And when I get there, Joe's already there digging ditches by itself in the rain. 
If your gift is to serve, church, just serve. We went to church with a man named Matt in Wisconsin, and uh, Matt had MD. He was in his 40s. He couldn't talk anymore. He could barely move any of his body. He was in a motorized wheelchair. He could move his arms, some, his hands, almost none. He, he couldn't speak, so he had a big board mounted on his table with pictures so he could point to words. He could still read. His mind was completely intact, but his body had just betrayed him. And he would point to words and spell sentences and tell you what he needed and what he wanted. And I love Matt. But Matt started coming to our church, and he found out the people there loved him. Then he found out Jesus loved him. And Matt got saved. The day Matt got saved, we went from church to Sunday school. And Matt said to me on the way down in the elevator, he pointed out on his board, what can I do? So you know what Matt did? Matt rode the city bus to church every Sunday an hour early. And he rode around. We had a big building. He rode around the building with a stick and he turned on the lights in every room. And after church, he'd drive around and he'd turn off the lights in every room. If your gift is to serve, church, just serve. Just serve. It, it, how much do you believe God really wants to do something through you? Matt flipped light switches. It changed my life. Because I learned something from his service. If your gift is to serve, church, just serve. Oh, if we don't need this one right now. Oh, I, I'm, if your gift is to encourage, give encouragement. Has there ever been a time when the church needed encouragement more than right now? If your gift is to be that person who can see the silver lining on every cloud, please, for the edification of the body, open your mouth and encourage. Don't look at the situation and think it's too hopeless. I don't have enough. I'll never be able to help these folks. They're too depressed. The situation's too far gone. If your gift is encouragement, man, we need that one. Do you believe God can use you? Do you believe that He has given you a gift and set something into motion in you that is there on purpose to accomplish things? If your gift is teaching, Paul says, just, just, just teach. Teach. You see, the instructions aren't complicated, right? <laughs> if God's given you something, use it. And believe that He is going to do the thing through you that He created you to do. He told John to, to abandon his, his Levitical call to the priesthood, to go into the desert, and stand in a muddy river and call Jews out of Jerusalem into the water 
Listen to this. Do you guys know baptism wasn't new with John? Baptism was an old Hebrew tradition. And you know what it was used for? It was used for bringing people in who weren't Jews, who wanted to proselyte, who wanted to become Jews. And so this was their ceremonial cleansing. When they came out of the water, they were Jews now. John, who's supposed to be a priest serving in the temple, God says, go to the desert and I want you to call my people, who are Jews, to come out and get dunked in the water because they're not doing this right. What if he had said, I can't... There's no way God would really... That can't... I've read the book. I know who I'm supposed to be. I can't do that. You know how mad that's going to make some folks, God? If there's a purpose. Jeremiah says to God in Jeremiah chapter 1, I'm 16 years old. I've never, I don't talk in public. What am I supposed to say? God says, I, I knew you before I ever put you together in your mother's womb. You don't have to worry about what words to say. You just stand up and I'll make words come out of your mouth. But Jeremiah had to stand up first. Do we have enough faith to believe that these gifts that God has given to us by grace to be used through faith. Do we have enough faith to believe that He is really going to give us power to accomplish things? This achieving faith. Do we have an achieving faith, church? James would say that if your faith isn't achieving anything, it's no faith at all. He says, you say you have faith, tell me you have faith, great. But I'm going to show you my faith by what I do. Right? That's what James says. Do we have an achieving faith, church, that's going to lay hold of these gifts and just believe God? And just believe God. The Father has given us gifts that are intended for the good of the body. Use them. Use them. And when it seems like too much, just remember your faith isn't in you. Your faith is in Him. Your faith is in the giver of the gifts. My faith is not in my ability to build a bridge when I drive to Baton Rouge. Right? My faith is not in my ability to manufacture that chair when I sit down. I'm trusting somebody else's good work done on my behalf. Do we have an achieving faith that we believe we have received power from God to accomplish things? Church, I want us to accomplish things. There are things for us to accomplish. This city needs things done. We're not here on accident. Let's get some stuff done, church. We've got to do it together. I'm not enough. Miss Janice, you're not enough. You know that? 
Randall, you're not enough. But do you believe this morning that the two billion people on planet earth who call themselves believers in Jesus might be enough? If we all just set our mind and our eyes on the one who is the author and perfecter of that faith and just started achieving things. We have power from God to accomplish things. Put your faith in him. And let those gifts that he has given you freely go to work. Let's pray. God, we we love you this morning. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you. Lord, you are good. You are so good to us. We thank you this morning, God. We thank you this morning for your grace and your goodness, for your purpose, for your gifts. Lord, I just want to declare today on behalf of these beautiful people here, we believe you. We believe you. We trust you. You never have failed us yet. And you never will. You never will. You never will. We love you. In Jesus' powerful saving name we pray this morning. Amen and amen. Oh, Brad, do you have announcements? <laughs> Leslie said, hey, tell Brad to do announcements. Good thing somebody's on their game up here, right? All right. Well, we're so glad you are here this morning. Uh, God was here. Um, I hope he spoke to your heart like he spoke to mine. Uh, I'm just going to share announcements. They're still pretty short. Wednesday mornings, uh, Jerry's having his Zoom Bible study for men. If you want to get in on that, you can. You can just contact Jerry for that. Uh, Wednesday evenings, we are meeting back for adult Bible study and teen Bible study. So if y'all can make it to that, we would love to see you. Our teens have been getting to hang out. Um, it's been a couple of weeks now. It was like four and a half months which just kind of blows my mind every time I think about it, that we weren't able to hang out and do things. It's been so good to do things with them and see their faces, and, and it's so good to see all of you here. Uh, it just does my heart good to see the things that we've missed. Um, you don't realize how much you've missed seeing people's faces until you get to see them again. So it's so good to see some people coming back. If you're at home watching, um, stay safe. But if you can come back, if you feel comfortable, you'll be blessed by being here in the presence of the Lord and seeing other believers and seeing their faces. Um, it's just been awesome. So um, hope you have a great day. Um, hope you have a great week and God goes with you. Uh, you're dismissed.